the first half of the Lord's Prayer, it focuses on living for God. And the second half, as we shift, focuses on our need. We get the fourth petition here, give us today our daily bread. What is this petition? Well, it's a petition, it's praying for our need. And if we think about the Lord's Prayer and the way that we have this shift into our need, it, well, it matches Jesus' teachings elsewhere in Scripture. And the primary example that I'd want to go to right now is, is that of Jesus' response to the question of um, what's the greatest commandment. So uh, Matthew chapter 22, um, and Jesus answers that question with words of, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. It's often missed, though, a little missed, um, that the question to which Jesus answers is, is about the law. And specifically, it states which commandment in the law is the greatest. Now, there is a lot of law, um, a lot from God and a lot that had been added by man. And Jesus' response here, it sticks to the pattern of the Lord's Prayer and also to the Ten Commandments because the first five of the Ten Commandments are about God and then about how we should treat one another. See, first and foremost, the most important thing is that we have relationship with God and that it is a good and healthy relationship. And then it's about how we, out of that, relate with the world so you could say it's uh, it's a question of priority now i'm i'm always try to be really careful not to overemphasize what we see here you see um, because that can lead us into a slippery slope where we distinguish between what is earthly and what is spiritual where we distinguish between what is sacred and what is uh, secular why do I say that's a bad thing? Um, simply, it's a bad thing because it is a bad thing. And history tells us um, that it's a bad thing. And, and that, that when we divide heaven from earth, and that's something that the church um, has done many times through the years. Um, when we do this, we are in effect, separating earth from God. And, and if we really take this view on board, we become modern pagans. Because this is a view which is based on the ancient Greeks. And, and it states that there are two separate, completely separate, independent realms within our universe. Heaven being non-physical, spiritual and pure. And earth being the complete opposite of that, being physical, being unspiritual and being dirty. And this view, it's led to a great deal of problems within the church. And many of those problems still exist today. And if we're honest, they all come down to the fact that some of this thinking still exists. I've spoken, just to take a, a slightly different angle on this, I've spoken about my desire not to be called Pastor Dan. Okay, um, I'm just Dan. And people tease me and then they say, hey, just Dan. And it's good fun in there. Um, but the message is, is one I really want you to hear. I didn't grow up in a church system where the leader was elevated in that way. 
Uh, yeah, you'd recognise the leaders and, and you'd still submit to their authority because that's the biblical model. Um, but I, I see the use of pastor as it's used now uh, in so many different spaces, um, regardless of, as I've spoken about, the, the use of that word and how it's misused, um, and, and we should be looking for other uh, ways to, to, to acknowledge leadership. Um, it's a way of separating clergy from the congregation, and it introduces a, a two-tier system. And I think that this really comes down um, to this, this idea of separation, of division between heaven and earth. Why? Because it allows for a separation of the work of the kingdom from the work of the world. Um, who is it that can take part in the work of the kingdom? See, we look at some of this already in, in, in this series, and we're all called to kingdom work. We're all called to be kingdom operatives. We're all called to live according to the will of God. And his will is that we organize ourselves for his work. Not that we have a hierarchical system, but that we all get on with the Great Commission and obey the Great Commandment. See, if we continue to think of heaven on one hand and earth on the other, completely separate, different, unconnected spaces, then we walk in a line whereby what happens at school or at work or even at home has nothing to do with God because that's outside of the walls of the church. It's, it's not a designated holy space. It's a secular space, not a sacred space. I hope you can see why I feel that, that, that I had to say this today. It's, it's important that we are not creating this chasm between uh, the two, where, whereby only those, things of, only those things that matter to the Holy Spirit and those things that don't, which, let's be honest, is nothing, but we think that those things that don't, and we place things in those categories, uh, they become a second best. Uh, they may even, in, in mind, become inconsequential. You see, we know it's not true. And so we must not separate these two realms like, like we do. And let's be honest, there's a lot of art which describes this relationship between heaven and earth in this way with, with a massive separation. Uh, they just... They describe angels uh, as being kind of transparent and can sit on the clouds. And, 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 and there's these pictures in our minds of what heaven is and how it is so distant and so far away. See, not everything in our life is as it's, as it's put in art, right? Art helps, you know, paint a picture. Um, but we can't depend on it to show us the reality. Not everything that is described in this world as being secular happens to be unsacred. Okay? And so this fourth petition, this point in the prayer where we we come and pray for our daily bread. Okay? It's it's bringing the the things together. It's saying we've we've concentrated on what it is to worship, obey, to hallow God. We've prayed for his will and for his kingdom to come. 
and now we lead into what our needs are but it's got to connect to that first part of the prayer um, and it follows all of that for that reason because it's our duty to adhere to God's will to be followers of his word um, to pray for our daily bread that is to pray for that which we receive but also to give thanks regardless of the amount that we receive see as we pray for our needs it comes again it comes down to priorities to align our hearts with the father in heaven and and in praying give us this day our daily bread we actually coming before god and asking for his grace that's needed in our lives to resemble his will his design his his master plan his 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 overall overarching design for this world so from what i've i've kind of already said this morning um and i'm sorry that some of it might be a little bit jumbled um i hope you've got what i'm saying that when we ask for bread we don't simply talk about just bread it's about our need it's about aligning our priority for our life with God's priority. So what are we asking for? I mean, we, we say give us this day our daily bread because yes, bread is important. I mean, you think about the days when Jesus walked the earth, bread was the essential item of food. It was either the whole meal or at least made up a lot of the meal. And if you didn't have bread, you're starved. Um, but there may be other items that people would eat people of, of, of higher status in society you know they had the luxuries the grapes the meats the olive oils and, <laughs> and as I as I say that I think of my son because he loves just dipping crusty bread in in, in olive oil um, I mean who doesn't but um, olive oil was still is in some regard a, a luxury item you know you're not going to take the olive oil without the bread. Or at least I would hope not. Um, but it's great with the bread, you see. And we can, we can often take things for granted um, that weren't always the case, you know. And, and, and bread, many people who listen to Jesus' word and hear bread, and, and we need to have that connection too a little bit, um, they would have heard that as just simply provision. And the, the association with uh, the Exodus, with God providing uh, their ancestors uh, through the form of, of water from the rocks and, and, and manna from heaven, um, that would have been evident. That would have been in their minds. You see, manna, it replaced bread for the Israelites. But that's not where the connection with this part of the Lord's Prayer ends, though. Because for those, those of you who remember the story from Exodus... Or, or if you if you can't really remember it, you want to go to it, it's, we're looking at Exodus 16, um, you'll get this connection after that because manna, it appeared throughout the 40 years that the Israelites wandered the wilderness. And and they were, they were instructed to collect only that which they needed for that day, except on the sixth day, they could collect twice as much so that, that they didn't have to collect on the Sabbath. Um, and only on the sixth day did it keep 
overnight for a second day. Before that, if you collected too much, it, it went. You couldn't store it up. Um, you couldn't store it up. It would spoil. It would be no good for the next day. So here we're not only talking about bread and, and, and that provision, but we're talking about praying for the correct, um, the, the, the appropriate portion of our bread, of what we need, not just what we're looking at, what we want. Uh, see, when we, when we look at it in that way, we get to become much more focused on the fact that we are to trust God. And remember, as we looked at toward the beginning of this series, God has let himself be known as Jehovah Jireh. That's God provider or a more accurate translations, maybe uh, the Lord provides. And so as we speak of manna coming down from heaven, the Lord provided for his people. I also have a, a thought of a, a great Welsh hymn, Bread of Heaven, um, where, where Psalm 105 verse 40 describes manna as being bread from heaven. And if you have a, a, an LBW at all, then that's, that's listed there under a slightly different title. It's a Guide Me Ever, Great Redeemer. Uh, and one of the best lines in this hymn uh, is the request to feed me till I want no more. Feed me till I want no more. And I think that's got amazing insight because if you ever, if you've ever overeaten, you'll know how comfortable it is. Um, I've been there, um, but I learned. I learned when to want no more so that I didn't get to be there again. I know what no more is when it comes to food and, and, and taking it in. Um, and so when it comes to praying for God to give us today our daily bread, we're praying for God to give us enough for today. To not overfeed us, but to give us our portion. That we, that which we need, only that which we need. And in that we pray a prayer of, of thanksgiving to Almighty God for his provision in providing that which we need. Uh, you see, in... In our looking at the first part of the Lord's Prayer, we, we dug into the fact that we are placing him first, that we are coming to him and saying, you are our priority. You are first amongst all things because you are before all things. And so it's important that we pray this petition in line with our subjecting ourselves to God and working to glorify his name in everything that we do being clear in our mind that we've just prayed for his will to be done on earth as in heaven, for his kingdom to come and all that that means. And then with that realization of his will, we pray in line with, with what Paul writes in Romans 12, um, that it be in line with his good and, and pleasing will, his acceptable and perfect will. See, all things come from God. We, we're all called to, in this earlier, earlier part of the prayer, we're called to subject to him and, his, and his, his, his holiness. And in the earlier part of Romans uh, 12, so just before Paul talks about the good and the pleasing will, 
we're talking about subjecting to him. We're talking about coming with our need to be in line with his need. Not to conform to this world. And, and that's a massive part of what it is to pray for our daily bread. For the grace not to conform to this world. We're praying and, and in our prayer we're recognising and accepting our dependency on the Father. The Lord's Prayer, it's not personal. It's not a personal prayer. We don't pray, give me today my daily bread, do we? We pray, give us our daily bread. And so this is a family prayer. And I've referred to the Lord's Prayer in this way since as long as I can remember. And, and it's great that uh, different people at St. John here have picked up on, on that. And uh, not many people have asked me why. Um, but one person did. Um, I have to say, I picked it up from my dad. I love it. Um, and I hadn't thought about it in a great deal. Um, but I had to think about it when they asked me. Um, and I've been dwelling on it again throughout this whole series of praying and thinking about each of these different petitions in the Lord's Prayer and what God might want to be saying to us as part of that. And it's all about connecting with him. It's about being welcomed into the family through Christ the Son and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we do that through prayer and through accepting his word as inerrant and living by it. See, it is a family prayer, a prayer given to the family of God. The opening address confirms that we have the privilege to call God Father. And as we're welcomed into that family, we get to live a life of praising him and out of that praise, coming and petitioning for the things that we need to be able to continue to live that life. So we're not praying for the needs that we have alone, but we are actually interceding. We're praying for the wider family of God that their needs be met as well. So what does this mean? It means if we've got a surplus, our call is to give up that surplus and look to bless others. And we touched on some of this when we looked in the... Uh, in the book of James earlier this year. And I remind you, James uh, chapter 2, verses 14 through 17 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Okay, it's clear, isn't it? I think it is, that we are to look after one another. Look after the family of God. And, and we're not simply to send someone away on their way, bid them, God bless. When we've been, when we've been provided with the ability and the means to be that blessing.
And you've all heard, I'm sure, the phrase, uh, blessed to be a blessing. Well, this is a fundamental teaching that we should always look to follow. And it's right here in the midst of the Lord's Prayer as we pray and intercede for the church that it, we all receive our daily bread. It is to show that love to the neighbour. But it's showing love to the neighbour as we glorify and honour God. It's both obeying that first and that second great commandment at the same time. See, the word of Jesus to his disciples as he was readying himself to leave the earth, um, it comes to mind right now as, as they sat at the table. And, and in John 13, Jesus is foretelling his betrayal and he says to his disciples, now the son of man has been glorified and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also show, uh, you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, this commandment, loving one another, it's a little different to the great commandment that Jesus spoke of earlier. The context is different. This is an intimate gathering and Jesus is choosing to speak to his followers. Okay, not to people asking questions who may be uh, thinking about being his followers. And he says, love your neighbor. Here, Jesus says, love one another. And one another is a separation from neighbor. Neighbor is everyone. The one another are those within the family. And it's massive for us at any time to hear to understand and to obey this. But even more so, when we've been blessed and we have a brother or a sister who hasn't, to be sharing with them. See, we're not to, in our love, we're not supposed to lose our cool. We're not supposed to show anger. Um, we're not to argue for the sake of arguing. We're to look to scripture. We're to look to God's word for the right path. We're to look good to God's word so that we know how to love because we love because he first loved us. He's the example for us. Showing our love to each other is because of the love that we see God show us. And so when we fall to our knees and we pray, give us this day our daily bread, it is presupposed that love for family of God, for our brothers and our sisters in faith is there because we're praying for them and ourselves as part of that family and we also need to come in this prayer believing that God is in control that he is the king of the cosmos because he is and at the end of Matthew chapter 6 we've got Jesus who is teaching on our need to to not worry okay and he says therefore I tell you do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink about your body or what you're going to wear. See, it's not life 
Life isn't more than food. Your body, what you're wearing, your clothes. I mean, think about it. Look at the birds of the air. They never sow. They don't reap. They gather. They're provided by God what they need. As they need it. And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So why do you worry about clothing? Why do you worry about food? Just spoke of the sparrows. Jesus goes on and he speaks about the lilies of the field and how beautifully they're dressed. And he asks, well, doesn't God care more for you than he does for those lilies? God will provide all things. And he strives, he says at the end, strive for the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. See, we depend on God. We're called to depend on God individually and collectively. The church community is here by the grace of God. You know, we think of St. John, there's been a community worshipping on Fiverr's Corner for 125 years this year. Do you think that that is by accident that we're called to be there? Do you think it's by accident that God has provided this community with this space, with this ability to help others around this space? And remember that he is faithful as we are faithful. We come to him in prayer and we ask, give us this day our daily bread. We need to ask for today's needs, not for the needs in the future, but for today's not to store up in barns, not to hoard, but to give what we've received that we don't need. Because God has given it for it to be used and for us to then come back and collect again tomorrow. God wishes to give us daily bread. To feed us throughout our mission and our ministry. And where we get caught up in our worries of what is to come, uh, when this impacts our decisions for the now, for today, we're not walking inside the will of God. We're choosing to leave the will of God. Corrie ten Boom, uh, she says it this way. She says, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Okay, you're always going to have sorrows of the next day. There's always going to be extra things to worry about that'll come tomorrow. But spending time in worry takes away strength for today. And so simply, we've got to follow the words of Jesus from Matthew 6, 25. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It is not life more than food and your body more than clothing. See, worry diverts our attention from the things of God. It takes our mind away from him. And we look to other factors that are over and above him to fix these things. We look to other powers to help us. Worry truly takes away the strength that we have, a strength that can only be found in God. See, when we look to other places, we become powerless. So let's not go there. Let's be reminded that God is 
Jehovah Jireh, always, always our provider. We have been so blessed and sometimes that's our downfall. Sometimes it leads us to think that we become independent from God. And that, that is a big lie. Okay, we are not. The world wants us to maybe think that we are. The world wants to teach that science rules and that we should believe and trust in science or other things, democracy, capitalism, whatever it is. And don't get me wrong, when it comes to science, science teaches us a lot. But God works through that science because God controls that science, because God is king of everything. And so in trusting the science, we are actually trusting God. Okay, God works through all of his creation and our needs, whatever they are, he will meet them. He may meet them differently for you than he does for me. There may be, um, for some, a miraculous healing and that can't be explained. And, and for others, there might be breakthrough as a, as a specific medication helps someone overcome an illness. Both of those things, both of those things are God at work. And it's not that one is first class and the other is second class. We need to see and accept that God is in our lives, that God is at work in those things because he works all things to the good of those who love him. And so I'd like to leave today this message uh, with the words of St. Paul writing this first letter to the church in Thessalonica. And it's chapter 5, uh, verses 16 through 18. He says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's God's will that you rejoice, pray, and give thanks for all that he has done for you. And this, this is all got to be done in the context of submitting to his kingship and through our journey of discipleship and becoming more and more like his son who is our savior jesus christ